Hi. I'm Cam. That is, uh, that's Zach. This is episode nine of season two of the, uh, two, three podcast. We, we couldn't think of an intro, um, because the pit loss hurt so much. Uh, <laughs> Zach, what are your thoughts? I don't even know what to say right now. I'm, I'm so shook by this intro that like, yeah, I don't know how to move on from that. <laughs> Honestly, uh, where, where do we start? Where, where do we start, Zach? This was a rough loss. Um, a huge rally that was led by none other than Quidir Copeland of all people. Nelly Cummings was ridiculous. He did to us what he did when he was with Colgate. Went six for eleven on threes. When he was with Colgate, he was six for thirteen on threes. The That's orange trail the orange trail by as many as twenty points, Zach. There's just a lot to take away from this. Yeah, there really is. I do want to touch on Nelly Cummings. I mean, hate to give him too much credit, but gotta give him credit. That's insane. You know, he he's did this he's done this twice to us now. Two different teams. And he was like scorching hot from the start. The whole pit offense could not miss from three. They started to slow down towards the end of the game, but in the beginning, it was just, that was rough. Yeah, I mean, I think first bullet we got here is just from the get, we just it just felt like a very lack of energy from our guys. And we were measuring during the game, and that was the same things we were saying. It just felt like a lack of energy. It felt like everybody almost forgot that we had a game against Pitt, and it was kind of half effort. Maybe they thought that it was going to be an easy win, even though Pitt going into this was known to be a very, very solid team. And they've beaten a couple of quad one teams before or in this year. And it, it was just tough because they were they were physical. They were gritty. They were a very surprising opponent. And I don't know about you, but they definitely shocked me when I was first seeing them in the in the first half. I mean, they look good. I mean, hate. I mean, obviously their program has taken a dip over the few years, but you know they're on an upswing. It seems like, and gotta give them credit where it's due. They are having a pretty good year here so far. But yeah, I mean, no, I mean Pitt has had her number in the past years here, even when they haven't been playing well. Like somehow, like these last you know three, four years, five years, they always manage to get at least a win on us throughout the year. And Jesse was kind of bullied in that game. He was pushed around he was a little quiet throughout the game even though like I didn't know that he had four personal fouls until the announcer said anything like that he had nine rebounds he had eight points six blocks I think the blocks were definitely the biggest stat of them all because he was just a blocking machine out there but overall he was he was pretty silent in the center position and he in the past couple of games Zach hasn't been as hot as he was earlier in the year yeah I know Jim mentioned after Cornell that Jesse was sick during that game so can give a little bit of you know credit to him being sick but this second game here where there's just a lot of physicality and that's something that we've called out early on in the year that he just really struggles against and again he's just he's a little quiet I mean that's still like a very impressive stat line you know, especially the blocks there, but I don't know, for Jesse and the caliber player and the caliber that we've seen from him this year, it's a little quiet. So I don't know. I, I really think it just comes down to the physicality that Pitt, Pitt uh, put up against them. I think one theory that I have is obviously nobody on the team 
is rebounding right now at a consistent level other than Jesse. It could be that he has switched his game plan from scoring to rebounding. It seems like we're not feeding him too much as we were before. That could be, though, when we were going up against teams like Monmouth or you know smaller opponents, he's able to kind of work against them. Whereas when you go up against ACC opponents, they're going to have the size and they're going to pressure you and they're going to bully you down low. And that's something that Jim had mentioned a couple times is when it comes to physicality, Jesse is getting beat consistently. And that is possibly the one thing that could prevent him from taking that next step into you know, the, the, the pro, getting into the draft. Obviously, that's way down the road right now. But when you look at Jesse's development, that is something that he is definitely lacking in overall. Yeah, and again, it's not about going head-to-head with these guys, especially some of these teams. I don't think Pitt's necessarily one of them, but some teams that we play throughout the year are like beyond physical, super gritty. And you don't necessarily have to go head-to-head with these guys. You just need to hold your own. You know, just hold your own. And that's something that we, you know, it's not a high bar to me, I don't think. But it's something we're definitely not doing right now. And I'm not sure how, how we do that. But it's definitely something we need to work on, and because any team that can pull, get kicking into any physicality gear, should do it against Qs, because that that's our kryptonite. When it comes to physicality, you're not going to get that from from Benny, and you're certainly not going to get that from Chris. In this game, they had very little effort out there, from what it seemed like. Jim called him out in the presser. They had one combined rebound. Doesn't that make you feel like sick? Just reading that. Yeah, that's that's insane. They both had 13 minutes of play. I mean, a couple points for both of them, three and four. And it just feels like another dud game from our two starting forwards there. And, I mean, Jim's confused. We're confused. I, I don't really know what's going on. It, it's, it's, just, it's just kind of wild that. Jim is confused. And this we, we've said this before. Jim has been c- confused about Chris in particular before. And he's still just kind of like baffled by what's going on. A reporter had asked him in the presser, um, have you ever had this issue before? Lack of effort. Jim has said, I have never had an issue like this before. Meaning like the rebounding thing. And I, I, I agree with him. I don't think I remember a time when we had a f- starting forwards that couldn't rebound. Maybe you've got one, but definitely not both of them. And it's on a consistent basis where they can't rebound. You're seeing better games out of Benny. I think that there's more confidence when it surrounds, you know, Benny and his athleticism and what he's able to do. But as far as Chris, are you done with the Chris experiment at this point? It feels like it's time. I mean, we've seen Benny kick it into a gear where he's out there, he's, he's getting bored, he's being gritty, showing you know a lot of en- energy and passion. Well, Chris has had you know some decent games here down the stretch. It feels like it's against like lesser opponents. I do think like overall, like his development, I think he'll get there. But for some reason, he, he's just not getting there yet. And I don't know, like the whole idea of like no effort is like kind of a hard thing to gauge because I'm sure like these guys feel like they're putting effort in. So it's a kind of an odd thing to kind of put a spectacle on. 
But it feels like, especially after this game, especially the game Malik and Cordier had, which we'll touch touch on them in a second here. There's just like, there's no reason to to not pull one of those guys in. And maybe at this point, Chris would do better on the bench. Maybe at this point, you bring Chris in. He's a great shooter. Jim has mentioned that several times. Maybe you bring him in so that way he can purely shoot and be an offensive threat. But you need a size out there. And if you have him out there as a scoring threat, that presents three scoring threats. And then you got Jesse and whoever else is at the forward position who needs to be able to rebound. And right now, it seems like the only person, Zach, and let's just jump right into it. It seems like the only person that's able to rebound consistently with the minutes that they are given is Malik Brown. Malik Brown has been crushing it. He's been getting some more minutes here ever since the Monmouth game, averaging, you know, pretty good amount of minutes since that game. And he's putting massive amount of production in. This game, nine boards in 27 minutes. There was times when it felt like Manier versus everyone out there. He he was he was everywhere. He was defending. And, you know, I think his stat, stat line is impressive, but he was doing a lot of little things. He was a huge, huge, huge piece that, that brought us back in that huge almost comeback. And, I don't know, Manier looked ab- – or Malik looked absolutely fantastic. And I just keep on – anytime we talk about him, we just talk about production in his game. While, it, while it's simple, it's consistent. And that that's, that's all really needed at this point. We just need something that's consistent. I'm doing this all off the top of my head right now, so forgive me if it's incorrect, but it seems like he's averaging around seven rebounds a game with around 20 minutes per game since Oakland. So those are the past four games. Those are great numbers. Those are numbers that we expect Benny and Chris to have when they're starting. I think that Jim is finally realizing that at this point, Malik is probably the best position or best player at forward that you could have. He seems as though he's been getting more minutes. He's been getting more trust in Jim. Possibly, Zach, all signs are pointing to Malik Brown potentially getting a start. And why not start Malik at this point? Like, what do you have to lose? Yeah, I mean, I think the only counter to that is the lack of outside shooting we have with, with him. But if if... But given everything else he's offering, that's an easy, easy switch for me. There was an individual on Twitter, forgive me, I, I don't remember your name, but we had asked, you know, who would be your starting five at this point? And they said, put Malik at the four and move Benny purely to the three. I think that that is an excellent idea because you've got Benny, who's a very good scoring threat. You've got Malik who is able to rebound, it seems like, on a consistent basis or at least more consistently than than Chris and Benny put together. And then obviously you got Jesse out there. So you've got the rebounding hopefully covered. Would you trust Benny more in that position if he's just going to be more of like an offensive threat at the three? I mean, I don't think Benny necessarily is would be an offensive threat from the three. I think, you know, maybe you could get something going on the elbow. But I do think he has more of an offensive game than like Malik does. So it makes sense to have Malik at the, you know, traditional four spot and slide Benny to the three and just be a little bit more aggressive. You know, kind of he is his jumper has been looking a little bit 
better. So I think it makes sense from that range. But he's definitely don't think, I don't think at this point he's a threat from the three yet. Would you say? I mean, you could counter that too with if you have Benny at the three, you could then pretty easily slip Chris at the three, and then the expectation is hopefully Chris can get his shots. I don't think Jim is going to do that because it's not necessarily his game plan. But if Zach and I were the coach, that could potentially be a good idea. We need to give a huge shout out, Zach, to the man who kind of spearheaded the big comeback, put some energy into the building. Quadir Copeland had a game that will probably live on in his head forever. And for many Orange fans, uh, it'll live on in their head for, for years to come. Kudir put this team on his back. He brought in all that energy and passions that he always has, whether he's in the game, whether he's on the bench, whether he's in for a few minutes, onto the court, and he showed out. He he had a beautiful moment. That step back three, you know, that offensive board for that putback. He had a his presence was felt, and like you said, this is definitely going to go down in Kudir's uh, memory book for his career. At, at Syracuse 10 points five rebounds in 13 minutes of gameplay this is a bit of a larger question and maybe it's not fair to ask this right now after he just had a huge game do you think it's fair to possibly look at Quadir getting more minutes out there I mean after this game he definitely has made a case for that I do think you know we have to see some consistency after this and we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But, I mean, he, he's shown some huge strides given this performance. And we'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I mean, he's definitely, his, his future's bright. That's for sure. I love his energy when he's on the bench. Because whenever the, the camera's panning to him or when the camera's panning to the, the bench, he's the one that's getting the people up, you know, cheering them on. He, he reminds me almost of like Adrian Autry when he was just providing energy to the team. He seems like the fun guy who's always out there making his name known. And I think that had we won this game, the reporters would be just flooding to him, asking him, you know, what's the energy like? Like, how you feeling? How do you do it? Um, He's definitely going to be a bright spot for this team moving forward. The interesting thing is, and Zach and I were debating this, before we hit record, I had mentioned that he's listed as a guard, but he's been playing forward quite a bit. You could potentially make a case sack to have him sort of thrown into the forward rotation. That would be like six people out there, but you may as well just try anything that works at this point. And it was kind of shocking too, that he even got play time at all. Yeah. I mean, we were running with John Bull for a while there. And it seems like maybe his, you know, his, his uh, name in, in the highlight is maybe maybe coming to end for John Bull, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I definitely like the idea of developing, you know, our younger guys, especially when Cordier Malik, you know, and Justin are selling some strides of posit- positive things here. So I'm happy with that. Do want to give one more shout out, uh, one more positive shout out to from, from this game. Samir Torrens, we have talked about him several times on this podcast, how he's able to lead the team, how he's able to be the general. I think that Cy put on a clinic on how to be a general 
He was able to control the offense. He was able to control the flow when it really desperately needed it. And it seemed like Jim sort of acknowledged that he got the second half start. I'm not really sure why he did. I think it was more on like the defensive side because he was having such a good game defensively. But Cy has shown time and time again that he, if you were to ask who is the leader of this team, who is the captain of this team, I think it's got to be Cy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think Cy could have a much bigger role on this team if the, the roster allowed that. But I think the role he has, and just, I think he, he just, he acts as like a perfect reset for the team and for Judah too. When he comes in for Judah, you know, sometimes Judah just needs a little bit of a break, kind of reset. The coaching staff needs to kind of like reset him, like, hey, slow down, you know, refocus here. And it's been working really well. Like, you know, sometimes Judah kind of goes in there and is doing, trying to do a little too much and, you know, gets kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit. And I think Cy comes in and gives him a nice little reset. And then Judah is able to come back in, refocused, recentered, and, and is able to have a good game. What you see a lot from Cy is holding players accountable. Chris did not make a cut to a rebound when he absolutely should have. Cy got on him for that. Cy was yelling at him mid, mid game and saying, you know, you got to be there. And uh, he's always sitting next to Coach Beheim. So I think that the program acknowledges him. I think that Jim understands his leadership out there. He may not be a scoring threat, but sometimes, Zach, you don't necessarily need to be a scoring threat in order to have an important role on this team. Yeah, I mean, there's been times he's shown some flashes of consistently from, from you know scoring, and he has, some, has more threes this year than he has in the past, so that, that's good to see. But in general, I don't think we're necessarily looking for him to score. I do think overall as a team, we're definitely lacking you know an outside shooting presence, but we'll get, get into that in a second. But overall... We love our guy, Cy. Cy is our guy on, on the 2-3, and we just can't you know, keep talking so highly of him. You just mentioned it, uh, lack of outside shooting, which was sort of the next big thing that we really wanted to touch on. The only consistent threat from three is JG3. They, The guys don't have anybody else out there that's actually making threes. I mean, you got Chris, you got Justin Taylor. But other than that, I mean, that's that's really it. Um, I wanted to ask you, Zach, who do you think was the last player to have at least three threes in a game other than JG three? There's a lot of threes in that. That is a lot of threes and Joe's the only one getting them. Um, the last guy to get three threes in a game. I mean, it's definitely, we definitely got to scroll back quite a few games. I would think. I'm going to say, I don't know, was it, I don't even know, was it, was it Chris? It was Justin Taylor when he had his huge game against Bryant almost a month ago when he went three for six. The last time that somebody made four threes in a game, it has not happened other than JG3. It has not happened at all. And when you look at the team, when we began the year, we didn't necessarily think that there was going to be a, you know, much of a shooting threat other than JG3. But this is sad. This is really sad that we really can't shoot consistently. 
You got Judah, who's a decent shooter. You got Chris, who's a decent shooter. Justin, uh, Benny's kind of getting his jumper down. Other than that, you you don't really have many other people that you can really look to in order to you know be a shooting threat. And especially this game when we can't get it inside to Jesse, when there's no nothing going inside, and we only have one third from the three. There's just not much you can do, and Pitt really took advantage of that. They they barely even defended any of our guys on the line. They just sat back off the line, kind of clogged up the paint, didn't let anything come into Jesse. Like that's why Jesse didn't get any touches because they they literally just were not letting him touch the ball. So when you clog when you clog the paint, Jesse's not gonna do anything, and, and we can't even have a consistent three point shot going up. Then we're kind of limited on what we can even do. And the interesting thing is when we were down, when we were struggling to shoot, when we were struggling to get any sort of scoring going, a lot of people were just trying to go 1v1 and just trying to play hero ball. It's not really going to work, especially against a team like Pitt, and it was not working. You got to be able to pass a little bit more. You got to be able to try shooting a little bit more. It seems like when this team is down and out, they kind of don't necessarily give up but they don't know what to do. At least last year, they stuck to their guns. They kept shooting. They kept like the Colgate game. It was just a constant back and forth shooting game. And with, with these guys, Zach, I mean, what is the next threat after, you know, if, if we're not hot out there, what is the next threat at that point? It's hard to find, especially when, you know, everywhere you look, people are kind of struggling with their forwards, arguably Jesse, against Pitt at least and it's just tough that that's why I think we're in a kind of a scary point where we 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 desperately need someone to step up you can't put all that pressure on Joe it's and you know he kind of struggled early on this game and when when Joe isn't going this whole team just kind of fizzles out yeah they flounder it's it's really sad to see because there's there's a lot of talent on this team. Unfortunately, we got to keep reminding ourselves that this is a young team and they are going to run into a wall more times than they're going to not run into a wall. And I guess that this is kind of the way that you learn. But at the same time, you could potentially see Jesse leave. You could potentially see Judah leave at the end of the year and JG3. And at that point, what is the team going to be? And that is way down the road. We don't have to necessarily talk about that right now. We can save that for another day. What we do need to talk about are is the fact that the boys did not score in the last two possessions of the game. And it's rough because it seemed like there was decent plays that were drawn up, but especially that last take, Zach. I mean, do you like what what happened there? I mean, obviously the shot wasn't pretty and it, I mean, it didn't even touch the rim, so that hurt extra. I, I think in culmination, the, just those last two possessions came up at a dud. Like neither one was a turnover and one didn't even hit the rim, so it felt like there there wasn't even a chance. Like it didn't even there was there was no chance at all we, that to even score there. So that is what is the most defeating in those two moments is there wasn't even a chance. So I, I would have loved, I mean, obviously everyone would have loved to see something a little bit different happen there. Unfortunately, didn't. I mean, I do like that Judah had the confidence to, to take that last shot. I wish, you know, it, th- things would have, you know, landed a little differently, happened a little differently. But 
Unfortunately, that's the way the cookie crumbled. Who would you have given the last shot in that instance? Obviously, Judah took it and probably wasn't what he was supposed to take. But if you had the playbook and you were able to draw it up, who would you have take that shot? Well, I guess first first question here is we're down to are we are we going for the tire or are we winning? What what yeah. what sh- what's the right call you think? You're the coach. I'm gonna let you make that decision right now. What do you? Do? I'm countering. I'm asking you. <laughs> The head coach isn't supposed to ask the assistant coach, Zach. This isn't how it works. But if you're, asking, <laughs> if you're asking me, if you're asking me, I think that you got to go for the two there. I think you got to play it safe and just hope that it goes into overtime. Yeah, unless you have a wide open three or like you're because like no one was that hot from three. Like, I mean, Joe, like, you know, hit that big shot late game. So maybe you feel confident. I mean, generally you do feel confident with Joe, but like no one was like, you know, bleeding from the three because they were were, were were so hot. So I, I do agree that I think you just go for the tie, go for a consistent shot, go for that, you know, high percentage two-point shot. I think at that point too, you got to give it to Quadir. He was the one that was hot. He was the one that was feeling it. He was able to drive in a couple of times, make things happen. I think you give it to Quadir in that point. Um I like, like you said, the confidence that Judah had in order to take that shot. He has shown time and time again that he's a confident player. He has a ton of skill. But I think in that instance, you got to give it to Quadir. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Maybe Malik, but he wasn't really that great. You know, he wasn't really an offensive threat in that game. I mean, I, I like going the idea of going the hot hand. I mean, I don't think necessarily Quadir. I mean, I think... I think if you're if you're driving, you give it to Judah. I think Judah just didn't realize he had, you know, a second or two more to, to get closer in, you know, maybe draw some contact or just, you know, take a foul line jumper rather than that three point shot. I, I think I don't I don't mind Judah taking that. I just think that I don't I wouldn't have loved to see Judah take the three point shot in any scenario. I think Judah from in the paint though, I would have taken that. I want to ask you a question that, well, I guess we had asked on Twitter. Who at this point is your starting five, given everything that you have seen? I feel like we've talked about this a couple times now, but at this point of the year, who would be your starting five heading into the Boston College game? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Cornell possibly. Jim was finally going to make a change, and we were obviously wrong about that. So I I still still going with I'm pretty sure we said Malik was was our was our next guy in for Chris and I'm still going with that I think Malik has proven that he should he should start over Chris in your forward rankings with obviously the first two guys being the starters who would be the next in line in in Zach's world off the bench. I mean, it's pretty close between Chris and Justin. I mean, I do think I kind of like the idea, the prospect of Chris coming off the bench when he when he's coming in for to just to shoot. And you know, obviously, like we want him to rebound as well. But if he's if there's a set play for him, we just want an easy bucket or a quick shot. I kind of like that prospect. It's it's intriguing to me. So I I, I don't know. I think that rule could be. If he's not going to rebound, if he's not going to do everything else, I think that role could be really good for him. Justin Taylor pretty much has that role right now 
where he's coming in. He doesn't necessarily have the expectation that he's going to be rebounding too much. He's going to be the scoring threat that he is. And I don't understand why Chris Bell can't fit into that. I think that Malik has shown now that he should be in the starting role or at least be considered for it. And maybe we could see Chris thrive in that because Chris has a ton of talent. He is a great shooter. Um, when he's hot, he's, he's, he's pretty damn hot. And Jim has mentioned that a couple of times in his pressers that he's a great shooter. He just can't rebound right now or at all. So maybe you look to him, like you said, in that sort of setup, play a couple of, you know, play a couple of plays for him, get him shooting, get him hot. Um, I'm with you though. I think my starting five at this point, you got to put JG three out there. You got to put Judah Malik and um, Benny and, and Jesse. And I think that that team could at least start hot. Cause I know that Jim keeps talking about how, you know, he wants to get a hot start out there. Um, and then if the shooting is good, put Chris in there, put Justin in there. That way there's less pressure on them because right now I feel like Chris is just in the doghouse kind of like Alan Griffin was. Yeah, and I think you you got to throw Quadir's name in there too. Maybe I mean maybe Quadir comes in before Justin or maybe he, you know, he's first guy off the bench depending on what you need and what kind of spark you're looking for. But I definitely think Quadir has uh put his name into the hat too and I think uh I mean, he's definitely he's definitely become a, a quick, you know, crowd favorite just based on his energy alone and obviously again the, the insane performance he had. Do want to quickly touch on uh, Cornell? Obviously, it was a, a pretty easy win. Uh, Cornell came out shooting just like we thought that they were going to. They had a very very hot start, but it kind of quickly fizzled out. They had a forty four percent field goal percentage in the first half that quickly dwindled down to 32% in the second. Um, All starters got in double digits, double-double for Jesse. JG3 had an easy 19 points. It was a pretty decent performance overall. But Zach, I want to ask you something. You were at that game, were you not? I sure was. What is your report from the Dome? What does it look like? What are you thinking of the... The new construction, the new, I don't know how many million dollar project it was, but how was it looking? I mean, just the moment you walk into the dome, you're just greeted by, you know, the beautiful people and it just feels so good. I don't know. The moment I walked in the dome, you just feel this rush of energy and excitement and you're like, let's go. You know, it's just, there's nothing like it. And it's just, it feels good just to be walking, you know, into the dome, finding your seats, you know, just being with everyone, seeing the team. I don't know. There's just something special about the dome and, and being, being there in person and seeing these guys play. Um, I mean, the first half was a little, a little worrisome. You know, we, we've really been starting off cold and it was kind of a, uh, kind of tough to watch there was this moment where i know we, we get on our, our boomer fans a little bit here but i can't remember i think it was chris followed someone <laughs> followed someone uh i can't remember what half it was but he followed someone like in the before half court and this boomer like two rows in front of me stood up it was like seriously and i was like this is classic boomer syracuse that's that's that's, that's, that's <laughs> I found it funny though. Syracuse fans never change. We love you so much. Yeah, it was definitely worrying in the first half. I was 
worried that the streak was going to come to an end um, <laughs> against Cornell. But listen, we were able to pull it off. It was tied going into the half, but we were able to get a uh, one of the 15-point win. I was trying to do the math in my head. A 15-point win over the Big Red. Um, I gotta ask you, how was the how was the noise? How was the noise in the dome? Because you know that that place gets pretty loud. It does get pretty loud, and there there were some pretty nice moments. Judah had his alley oop that game, and there were some good moments. I mean, overall though, there wasn't anything like terribly crazy. So overall, I would say it was a pretty relaxing afternoon. People were pretty, you know, settled to just chill and not really get up so but there's times that the, the dome was, was loud and proud and it was, it was fun to be there but overall it was a little quiet i'd say in, at times but overall you know the dome is the dome if you are a local uh, i highly suggest that you get to the dome here in the next couple games you got boston college and you got virginia tech notre dame i would get there though before the students get there because um honestly it's 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 a little bit cheaper but also, you know, you're able to get a pretty decent seat. Um, there aren't too many people that go around this time. Obviously, the noise is going to be a little bit less, but uh, it's still going to be a great time. And Zach, after the Notre Dame game on January 14th, the next home game after that is going to be January 24th against North Carolina. So the ACC schedule is really on us right now. And uh it's a little worrying. I want to ask you, are you feeling good about this team heading into like the big ACC play? Yeah, I mean, the, the gauntlet is officially here. I mean, Boston College is coming off a, a Virginia Tech W in overtime. So it's here. ACC plays here. There's no more time to, you know, have a Monmouth or an Oakland to kind of tune, fine tune yourself. We're here. It's we're ready or not, you know, it's time to play. And I, I really wish we could have gone into, you know, the second game with, with the W being our six six and zero winning streak, but unfortunately, that's not happening. Still have faith in this team. Still have faith that we'll get things turned around against Boston College and end the year on a good note. But I don't know. I was really feeling feeling the train we were on, and I, we just have to reset now, which is a little bit of a bummer overall. Yeah, if you want to like talk about possibly. The easier schedule, I guess, is going to be these next two games. You got Boston College, and then you got Louisville, who are absolutely awful this year. We're playing in the KFC Yum Center, which is just such a funny name. It's so bad. And then after that, you got Virginia at Virginia, which is going to be very, very difficult. We never really play well in Virginia. And then after that, you got Virginia Tech and then Notre Dame, Miami. Like, it just goes on and on and on. So... There's not too many easy games in the ACC. I guess one of them could be Louisville. Hopefully another one is Boston College. But, Zach, it's going to be a rough ride ahead. We do want to wish you all some happy holidays. Um, Zach and I are going to be off for the next couple days for Christmas break, winter break. And if you're uh, celebrating it all, happy holidays. Yeah, hope you uh, enjoyed the time with your family and loved ones. And... Just have some time to relax and enjoy. So the next time you hear from us is going to be previewing the Boston College matchup. That's going to be on New Year's Eve. And until you hear from us then, Merry Christmas and let's go Cuse.